This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic on Bloomberg Radio. So we've talked about this a lot on air about the fashion and retail industry's impact on the environment. Well, a new book looks into this. It's entitled Unravel the Life, the Life and Death of a Garment. And the author is Maxine Beta. She's founder and director of the think tank New Standard Institute. They describe themselves as a think-and-do tank using data and the power of citizens to turn the fashion industry into a force for good. Prior to NSI, she co-founded and was the CEO of Zadie. That's a fashion brand and lifestyle destination. She joins us on the phone in Brooklyn. Maxine, so glad to have you here. It is a topic we talk a lot about. Tell us about your book. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. The, the book starts the story of a pair of jeans, uh, you know, similar to the ones that I am wearing right now while speaking to you. Um, it starts in a cotton field in West Texas. I think we, uh, I just heard West Tex- Texas on the, on the air. Um, it travels to um, then China to see where that cotton is turned into a textile. Then it goes from um, China to Bangladesh where that textile is cut and sewn into a garment, um, and then travels back to the United States to the distribution centers, the the Amazon facilities, where I got the opportunity to speak to the um, workers there as well. Um, and then it it um, I spoke to a lot of shoppers, understanding their relationship to clothing, why they're buying the clothes. Um, and after this brief stop in um, a shopper's closet, the, the clothes are donated or are thrown out, and then um, the book. Uh, follows that along um, to Ghana, where the secondhand market um, of clothing uh, is significant, um, and the landfill there, where a lot of our clothing actually ends up. Um, God, where do we start? Yes. A lot of it, you know, it's interesting. I think, I don't know how you feel, but the pandemic has made me kind of rethink a lot of things in my life, and that includes stuff. Um, I grew up with a mom who was like, by quality, you don't need a lot of stuff. You just need good stuff, you know, and think, be thoughtful. And we've, we've really evolved into a consumption society where, you know, and we talk a lot about fast fashion. You wear something and if you only have it for, you wear it a couple times, it was inexpensive, you toss it out. Um, what was the most disturbing thing or things that you found out in doing this book? Yeah, I think it's, it's really the, the speed um, the accumulation, um, the, you know, the, the scale of the industry and where, where it's leaving workers. And workers not, you know, workers in women in Bangladesh and, and women make up a, um, a large percentage of the garment workers uh, globally and also the, the workers domestically. Um, you know, we not, tend not to think about Amazon as a fashion company, but it is. Um, the largest online apparel retailer um, in terms of number of shoppers. So, you know, in in the book, you know, I, I got to go to China um, mm-hmm. and, and see these rivers that are black. And then I went to Bangladesh and the rivers became even more black. Um, and every place I went, they said, you know, like at every destination, then in Ghana at the end, which was, um, you know, the the, the most black rivers, um, you got to actually see. I was able to see the impact that our clothing has, 
And that's something that is such a huge shift from even a generation ago, because in the 1960s, mm-hmm. 95% of clothing that Americans wore was American-made. Right. Today, that's less than 2%. So we don't see the impact that our clothing has, um, but yet it's enormous. And the rivers are black. I'm assuming it's runoff from the manufacturing and dyes or what have you. Yes, exactly. So, you know, in order, like, what I wanted to detail in the book is just how much goes into creating, you know, these the clothing that appears online or, or appears in, you know, um, in the stores. And to create, you know, to take this uh, either cotton fiber or more likely polyester, which is a fossil fuel-based right. um, fiber, Um Sorry, go ahead. No, well, hang on for a second because I've got to do news, but it's so funny. You took me to where I wanted to go because you write okay. specifically about, you know, we think about, we look at what's in our, you know, the things we wear, the type of things, but, you know, fossil fuels are in a lot of the clothes we wear because specifically of synthetic fibers, and we maybe don't think about that. Sit tight for a second. We're going to do some news, but we'll come back and continue. We're talking with Maxime Beta. She's founder and director of the think tank, New Standard Institute. We are talking about her book, Unraveled, The Life and Death of a Garment, and she really just tracks uh, from the beginning to the end and and more what happens to a pair of jeans uh, when it, and she talks about starting from the cotton field. We just heard that, and then taking it to China and Bangladesh and then kind of back to some landfills, if you will, in developing markets. I want to get back to our guest. Uh, she is Maxine Beta, founder and director of the Think Tank New Standard Institute. She's got a new book out. It's called Unravel, The Life and Death of a Garment, really following the life cycle of a pair of jeans as it goes around the world, starting from raw cotton uh, to ultimately when the garment is tossed away and ending up in landfills. Maxine, you know, sometimes we talk about the food industry. You've, there's been books before over the you know past few decades that if you really knew what was in certain foods, you probably wouldn't need it. And I do wonder how much of what we wear, if we really understood the process of it, you know, ultimately ending up in our closet, how many of us would say, you know what, I don't want it? Yeah, I think it it definitely, I mean, going through this process has changed my relationship to clothing for sure. Um, And, you know, I, I, I see the work that goes into it. I see the, the, the resources and the environmental impact that it has. Um, and so I've, I've definitely changed the relationship to my own wardrobe, but it hasn't been one of, um, you know, that I try to resist ever, ever buying anything. It's actually been a very positive experience. I realized, you know, I don't have to jump on that trend that's kind of being pushed on me. I can, you know, really love my clothes. And so, you know, that's, that's a message that I'm trying to get across is if we actually move to a relationship where we, you know, deeply love our things, we will end up wearing them more. Um, and that is actually the biggest driver of the reduction in resources is just right. uh, increasing the use of our clothing. I've got a teenager who definitely looks at kind of what a company stands for and their impact on the environment. You're seeing increasingly certainly kind of startup companies and even some of the major companies really look at their impact at the environment and figuring out how to do it better. How hard is it though to do it better? to manufacture it, to reduce the impact on on the environment. How difficult is it really? Yeah, I think what we have to recognize is, you know, as you you were saying, uh, it's the young generation that is really understanding, you know, the environmental crisis in which we find ourselves in. Um, And so they're the ones that are really pushing for this change. But we're at this place right now where the industry is responding 
with, um, you know, quite a lot of uh, marketing around sustainability, but we're not seeing a lot of disclosures. Um, you talk about financial disclosures, but in environmental disclosures mm-hmm. that are clear, that are, you know, apples to apples comparisons. So it's very hard for consumers to be able to understand what is a company that is, you know, doing real work and, and what is kind of greenwashing along the way. Right, right. And we we have this similar conversation when it comes to diversity and inclusion, right? There's a lot of conversations going on at once again, and, and it's, you know, taking the words and turning them into action so that there are change. I guess my question is, though, can we easily or can we make the changes, the necessary changes, so that there aren't workers who are basically, um, you know, kind of in a prison cell manufacturing the sweater that I'm wearing or the jeans that I'm wearing? Is there ways to do it so that the dyes aren't running off into the water in developing markets? Can we do it in an affordable way? Because I remember a conversation years ago with someone who said, listen, we can do it in a better way, but are you ready to pay 70 bucks for that t-shirt? You know, so can we do it? Can we do it, basically, is the question. The answer, the, the simple answer is yes. Um, you know, it's not, it doesn't take new technology to improve the energy energy efficiency in mills and to switch over to alternative energies um, um, at the mills. And I talk about the mills because that's really the um, ground zero when we talk about um, energy and climate emissions um, and chemical emissions is at that phase where you're turning the, the fiber into a textile. So it really does this is possible, and, and the researchers who are um, focused on ESG, who've been looking in terms of the labor side, um, have also said as well that it wouldn't mean a $70 T-shirt. In fact, it would be something like 15 additional cents. And that's even really? assuming that, that wow. yes, that the cost would be absorbed you know, by, the, by the consumer, not the company itself. How do we move the mark? How do we do it? Or who has to so do it within the industry? Yeah, so that's the work that we're, you know, focusing in on New Standard Institute now is we need to move to a place that is beyond this kind of marketing talk, beyond the talk. Um, We need to have very clear disclosures um, around the uh, total environmental impact, actual disclosures around wages. And that's the way that we can be able to kind of move from the race to the bottom to a race to the top. And so that's the kind of policy that we're pushing um, trying to advance at NSI is, is a place that we can have a level playing field um, and make the progress we, we need to make in the time frame that we need to make it. What is the time frame, realistically, that we can make these changes? Well, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, what, it's, <laughs> it's always the tough part, to, right? No, we find part. it with climate change, right? People put out goals and they're like, okay, we're going to be carbon neutral or have a zero carbon impact, but we're going to do it, you know, 20 years from now. I mean, it's exactly. like... It's a, it seems and like a long time because a lot of damage is done in the, in the interim. Exactly. And, and I think that even the bigger problem is that the executives who are, you know, making those commitments are likely not going to be there at that time. So, you know, that's why if we, if we move, if we keep those targets but move to disclosures right now, we're, we're creating the right incent, incentives, you know, within the C-suite to actually make the progress right now and not kick the can. And, and it isn't, this isn't, you know, as I said, it's rocket science. Um, you know, the people who are doing this work, you know, it ends up uh, a lot of it being cost saving because it's about energy efficiency. Um, so this is very possible. It's about getting 
right. companies to work together on their facilities, um, but it is highly doable. We just have to create the, the will to make it happen. Is there one company that you point out as saying, listen, this company has really been bad in terms of, you know, fast fashion, if you will, or just, you know, we want something, we get it quickly, and we think about consumption differently. Just got about 30, 40 seconds left. Yeah, I mean, I think any of those um, companies, their what their business model is getting us to something and wear it uh, once. Yeah. And there is just, a, you know, women, you know, are, are there are the surveys that are finding that women are seeing that their clothing feels old after wearing it only once. That type of model that we need to kind of move away from well it's a great read and uh it's on my summer reading list i've, I've gone through some of it but i'm going to finish it up because uh the fashion industry is one we're talking a lot more about in terms of the impact it's had maxine thank you so much maxine beta founder and director of the think tank new standard institute her book it's called unravel the life and death of a garment